0: burns I'm a financial advisor with UBS. You're gonna learn five things and move on. We all have things to do these days. We are all super busy. and so I want you to learn and move. My mission is to help women through divorce, transition, I'm here to empower them. I have a super soft spot for female founders and entrepreneurs, and of course, small businesses. And closing the wage gap means so much to me. As the mother of three teenagers, two are girls. I have a personal interest. I'm hoping this podcast is a small piece of getting us all there. So before we move on to today's topic, please listen to some previous podcasts. We've done five things your business should be thinking about right now. The five people you should be surrounding yourself with. When to admit failure. That one's actually really powerful. We had billionaire Cindy Eckert on, and she says you need to be quirky to succeed. We've talked about why cash is queen. We've talked about how you can protect your business if, indeed, you're getting divorced. And with that, I wanted to take it all a step further, which is why one of my favorite people is with us today, Vicki Ziegler, family law attorney. She had a show on Bravo. She was the host of Untying the Knot. She's been doing this for 22 years. Vicki and I, full disclosure, have worked together personally, professionally, Um, we were on air together at Fox. We have a a long history and Vicky is straightforward and honest and so no nonsense, not to mention, um, has become a friend
1: over the years. Vicky, thank you for taking the time to do this. Oh my God. I wouldn't be anywhere else in the world, but with Um, you to help your listeners right now.
0: So divorce is really interesting to me because, um, I feel like I'm starting to hear more and more people say, you know what, I'm ready to go out on my own. I'm ready to take a shot at this. I think COVID and lockdown has been very eye-opening for people. And, you know, I'm wondering what you hear and see from where you sit. Will we be seeing more
1: people saying, no mas? Yes, absolutely. We really saw a huge wave wave. I would say probably April, May, June, when people realized, oh, my gosh, I've been in lockdown with this person that I thought I loved and I actually hated. And I was on the cusp of getting divorced before COVID hit. And I realized now being locked in with a person day to day, every day with children, uh, you know, doing the dishes, having this mundane routine, not going to work, not leaving, uh, exacerbated uh, the divorce rate. Now courts have obviously figured out a way to work from home, go in once a week, and the system is moving now. And we've been mediating more cases than ever. So I believe there'll be a second wave. After the holidays, most people take a break from filing, from trying to figure out what they want to do. And then January is our biggest filing month. And it's true, Tracy, we've seen an uptick in filing in the cases, and I think partly due to COVID, and we're going to see them continue to rise. I looked at our books from last year to the year before, and we were up 34%. And that means, and and by the way, we were home. We were, you know, my office was shut down from March uh, until July, and we were still able to survive, based obviously with the PPP loan and everyone working from home. But we saw a huge rise in COVID cases uh, from an onslaught of people not being able to earn as much, people being on unemployment, uh, child issues uh, were running rampant with people that obviously the kids um, doing remote learning, the stress of that, um, and and people obviously not feeling the love any longer. So we, we've seen it. It's been crazy. And um, I think we'll continue to see it rise, unfortunately, for humanity. Yeah, although I'd like to tell
0: people it's it's not an end, in a new beginning. Right. Because it's it's your ability to say, to take charge a little. You know, I, I spoke with a woman um she was referred to me and she said, you know, when we got married, he traveled all the time and that's why we got married. Yeah. And now we're locked down together. And that was not what we signed on for. So so, you know, it, it, it might not be that it's
1: just a terrible thing. It just might not be what they signed on for. Yeah, listen, I agree. I'm the biggest positive believer about marriage. When it's when it works, it's wonderful. I don't break up marriages. People come to me when they're at their wits end, and we try to solve their divorce problems to get them to the next chapter. So I believe people that get divorced that are unhappy, that are not in love, that are not showing their children what good role modeling looks like, it's a good thing because you can be happy and you can learn from yourself what not to do, what you like, what you don't like. So I'm in a, a 100% agreement with you. It doesn't always mean it's a bad thing. I just think the world, as we stand now. um, It's a difficult time for everybody. So is it really that you want to get divorced or you're just unhappy with the circumstances? You have to really get clear about that.
0: That's actually a great point and brings us to your first point. There are some things you should do before you actually file. And while we all want to keep you and your office open, the the bills (laughs) do add up, right? So there are lots of things people can do If they're even thinking about it. And one of your five, your first is to get emotional support. And I would think that with that, your emotional, you know, posse can help you determine if this is just exhaustion or the marriage truly is over.
1: Right. I mean, I think you need your cheerleaders, you need your supporters in your corner to determine, hey, listen, let's be honest. Is this that, you know, you're not going to work, you're not putting on your lipstick, you don't have your heels every day, and you're just kind of upset about your life circumstance? Or is it really that your spouse and you just don't get along anymore and the grass definitely is greener? Once you figure out who the people you can trust are, and it's not just the the yesers and and, and the people that are just gonna, you know, tell you what you want to hear, it's real experts, therapists, uh, sometimes it's life coaches. There's support groups. There's people that obviously have been through a divorce, like yourself. People that are smart that are going to give you honest, real advice. Um, family members obviously always have your best interest, but some of them can be uh, honest and forthright. And you want to pick and choose those family members that you can confide in. And you know, listen. There's a lot of opportunity for information out there. Podcasts like your, like yours, Tracy. Uh, other books, online sources, and then obviously religious uh, leaders like your rabbi or your priest, you can always obviously look to them uh, to determine whether or not, you know, this is something that you can work on together in some type of forum, or it's really time for you to move on. Yeah, because while I do,
0: and we both believe it is a new beginning, it's an opportunity, you know, for take two, so to speak, it's not easy. It's emotionally draining, costly, right? So you have to be mentally prepared for it, which is why I love that you say, interview attorneys, because those same people, your family will say, Oh, I got a guy or I got a girl. I got a I got an attorney, you have to call and and we jump we don't take the
1: opportunity to make sure they're the right fit for us. Right. I always tell clients, You don't have to like me but you really need I I don't have to like you, but you really have to like me, right? (laughs) So, um, and I usually want to like my clients and I like most of my clients, I have to tell you, but it it is such a, it's not a one fit all circumstance. You know, certain uh, clients are looking for a certain personality, some like females, some like males, some like people that are A-type and get back to them right away. Some people don't want to be pushed. Sometimes they're kind of, they put their head in the sand. So you need to really figure out what attorney fits your needs. And I think when you have a list of questions kind of prepared for your attorney. And I would always recommend to to consult with at least two, maybe three, or maybe four men, women, kind of different age groups to really get a feel for what the attorney's like, what their protocol is. Is it them working with you directly or is it an associate? What are their fees? And do they like to mediate? Do they like to litigate? Can they do both? So you have an understanding of what you're getting into. And I think from the get-go, it's really important for people to do that. And obviously most people are home People can interview attorneys via Zoom, get them on the phone, and and really get a feel for what they are all about and and what their goal is. I always tell people, I can litigate the case, I can mediate it, but resolution is really 98% of how cases settle um, in most states. And if you want to settle it, this is the strategy that I would promote. And you get as much information in that hour consult as you can to make an informed decision.
0: Because that's the thing. you know, I have to want to have a glass of wine with you and tell you everything. And
1: I say that also as a financial advisor, you
0: have to. There has to be a level of trust there. Otherwise, we're not going to. We're not going to get to the end goal, right? And so, if you, we, I don't feel that simpatico with you. This is good. This is going to go nowhere.
1: Right, if there's not a vibe, if there's not that synergy, if there's not that understanding of wow, they're not gonna judge me. I cheated, or you know, I took some money and I shouldn't have. Listen, we're in a judgment free zone. I've I've heard it all, I've seen it all. No one can shock me, quite frankly. And I think you have to feel that comfort level that somebody's gonna do what's in your best interest. They're not the fees are gonna be as reasonable as possible, and you're gonna try to get out as unscathed emotionally and financially. That's really the goal for people that are thinking about divorce and looking for the right fit attorney. Right. And 22 years, I bet... I bet there's there's volumes of books you could write about the things you've read, of um, you've seen. <laughs> yeah, and actually, it's funny. Right, right off the press, I printed right before I'm talking to you. Is I've been working on on a movie and and another book for about I'd say ten years now, and I'm finally at a point where I'm ready to <laughs> I'm ready to really bring it to the world. And I can tell you, it's a combination of what I've seen, uh, my personal story of of becoming a divorce attorney through the eyes of my parents and trying to mediate and broker their divorce at nine. And look, I. I think, I think the divorce world shapes us into who we are for good or for bad. And yeah. I think that every experience you can learn and grow from it, and you can just get better as a parent, um, right, as a wife. And I think that most people that get divorced can come out saying, look, I had a beautiful child or children. Uh, you know, I did have some great times, great experiences. So don't always look at it like it's a negative. We write every dark cloud has a silver lining, and I think we have to remind people of that. For sure, and, and but
0: we also have to start to be smart too. So even when they're good, you know, it, that now's the time to start protecting yourself, which is where your third point of gather the financial documents comes from too. I think that sometimes it's you know a lot of people feel like it's too late. One of the things you said was to, you know make sure you know your shared online accounts, and that's always. I find that's a big issue for people that women in particular don't ask for passwords, don't ask for usernames. When times are good, you should be
1: asking those questions too, right? You shouldn't be waiting till the bitter end. Absolutely. And no question is stupid. I always recommend because I do a lot of premarital planning for people that are thinking about getting married. We do, we draft prenuptial agreements, but we talk through what is important for you to have access to and what to do together. And a lot of times it's have your monthly meetings with your spouse and your financial advisor. So, you know, here, if you didn't get to do that um, and you're thinking about getting divorced, make sure that if you do have those shared online accounts, even if it's just for viewing purposes, write them down because right away, once your spouse gets when that you're going to get divorced, those accounts are going to be changed and you're not going to get into them. You can print the information so at least you have it because in the divorce, you ultimately will get it, but you want your attorney to be informed and have as much information as possible to try to get you the best deal from the get-go. So it's always important to try to get copies or take pictures of documents that you have uh, in your possession. And a lot of times the other spouse will take those documents and it takes time through the court system, through discovery to get them. So we're talking about credit card statements and tax returns and obviously your income information, but also your spouse's, if you have it, how much are your, you know, do you have mortgage balances? Do you have a home equity loan? Those are important, you know, documents for you to have so that, When you're ready to file for a complaint for divorce or go to mediation, you and your attorney can discuss what does your marital estate look like? What are we talking about when it comes to alimony and child support and asset distribution? And you're not in the dark. So, yeah, it's important. Get armed, be smart, be intelligent, and be proactive.
0: Yeah. And and again, these are things that, you know, when times are good, we should know these things. When times are bad, you need to know them. But but I think if, if you know if we could tell anybody anything, even if you are in the best situation, you still should know all the things you just rattled off, right? Credit card statements, mortgage, tax returns. How many people, women in particular, don't even know what their tax returns look like? So this is like incumbent upon you to get a very good picture of your financial situation. Because Vicky, your fourth point is to create. A, um, a marital balance sheet. And that would be, that's going to be very difficult if you don't have all that information.
1: Right. A lot of people come to me and they say, well, listen, I, you know, I look, I know what car I drive. I don't know if it's financed. I don't know if it's actually leased or, or my husband paid for it. Um, I spend, you know, 10,000 a month on credit cards, but I don't get the credit card statement. So, you know, if you don't exactly know what's your house worth, what's the mortgage balance? Is there a second mortgage? You have to know these things to figure out with your attorney, how much equity that you have in the house and what you're going to actually divide, right? What are the retirement accounts and their taxable accounts? So, you need to take that into consideration. Is there a loan against a retirement account? So getting all of the hard assets, the liquid assets and the hard assets in the real estate together in advance so that you can kind of put together a balance sheet, whether it's with an accountant, a financial advisor, or your attorney, um, and figure out what the debt picture looks like will give you a leg up and trying to figure out how do I see resolution? Because I I always start with the end in mind with any client I, I talk to, and even during a consult, one hour, by the end of the, the hour, if this litigant can tell me all of the assets and all of the debts, I can give them a general picture of how the case should settle. And to me, that's worth one hour of time, right? To try to, to, try to trunk a nasty divorce. And that's why it's so important to, to get prepared and get all this information in advance.
0: Heck yeah. And you also know, um, I mean, you also suggested that they create a budget. And I think this is an amazing exercise for people to be doing because you don't realize until you start keeping track and whether it be an Excel spreadsheet or an app or however you want to do it. When you start literally, you know,
1: documenting every dollar you
0: spend, it could blow your head off. Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) And how much money you could actually save in the future. You necessarily may not want to do that now, but really trying to educate yourself on what your marital lifestyle has been for a period of 12 months or 24 months. As long as that's an accurate snapshot while you're employed, while your spouse is employed and really determine what you're spending each month, what does your shelter look like? What does your vehicles look like? What's your personal expenses? I mean, I always say, are you a Chanel shopper, right? Are you a dollar, a dollar store yeah. shopper? you know you have to understand what your marital lifestyle is because that dovetails into alimony, child support, um can you withstand uh which will obviously be the last point, can you keep your house, do you have to sell it? So these are such important decisions, life-changing decisions that you're going to have to make uh and if you're not informed and you, you don't know exactly what you have, you're not going to be able to get to that next step.
0: Before we get to the house though, you bring up such an amazing point though and tell me like does it you know, this whole notion that so many women, I think, are especially are under the assumption that, well, he has to maintain my lifestyle, but does he in an environment like today? I mean, I remember after the financial crisis, there were people who were going back to court, you know, because he had to pay her all this money. And now he lost his big fat job because Lehman went out of business. So is it still an automatic assumption that she, quote I, and I say that in quotes,
1: will be able to maintain her current lifestyle? It's a great question. I mean, look, case law hasn't changed. There's a substantial change in circumstance argument that people make when they're losing, when they've lost their job, or is it a temporary loss? So if you have, if you own a restaurant and COVID has put you out of business or, you know, obviously given you only 25% of capability, most people aren't earning income and they are not able to survive. The question is, there's all these statutory factors. Let's talk about alimony for a second in the state of New Jersey. There's 12 plus and all encompassing. So it's not only, you know, what is your income? What's the need? Do you have any other assets to continue? contribute? Um, Is your lifestyle not going to be maintained for a period of time, but once you get back on your feet, will it go back to normal? So there's all these different factors that get taken into Consideration for us to make that determination. So I think it's figuring out what your marital lifestyle is, who's making what, and is you, is anybody's income drastically less? Then we t- then we would take a look at it and say, well, maybe because somebody lost their job and they're making thirty percent less, maybe the budget has to get changed a little, or maybe the priority bills have to be paid, and then these you know the Chanel pocketbook charges may not have to be maintained until and unless somebody gets back on their feet. So there's all these different ways for us to take, you know, take an analysis of, of what's gone on and how COVID has affected people versus not. And and remember, Tracy, COVID has impacted a lot of people in the positive. Yeah. Uh, there's hedge fund people that are making more money than they know what to do with. Um, other businesses that are booming. Look, most people have done worse, right? In most retail areas and obviously in the, in the restaurant business, the bar business, we understand that. So it really just depends on the circumstance of each specific case and how we would be able to Argue that position, and I suppose then that brings us to your final point about the
0: house: do you stay or sell? And again, I feel like the inclination of so many, and I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, um, I'm encompassing everyone here and saying the the most women feel like they have to keep the marital home, and I feel like sometimes that is an unnecessary albatross.
1: One hundred percent. I think people are connected. Yeah. Um, but the the curtains up. I picked the furniture. You know, This is my home. And I understand that there is a real connection to a home. But to me, I look at it differently. Is it a sound asset? Does it make sense? Are you going to take all your alimony and pay for your heavy mortgage where you can go buy a place and have no mortgage, right? And start fresh. You know what? It's almost like this like feng shui. Do you want to just start a new chapter with your own things that you chose, not the ones that you chose with your ex? So for me, it's people's biggest asset is generally their home, and they really have to consider, does it make sense to live here? Can I buy my spouse out? You know, sometimes people tell me, look, the kids love it here, and of course, they don't know any better, but right. does it makes sense for the kids to stay in this house. You can, as long as the school district, you know, you can find another home that's closed that won't disrupt them from an education purpose, um, although most people are obviously, you know, uh, in home learning right now in Zoom, so it wouldn't even matter if they lived in, in Alaska, but right. I think you have to really consider Um, Does it make sense for you financially? Forget about the fact that you love the pool and you like the drapes. Is this and, and you know better than anybody? Does it make financial sense to keep a home? You don't want to. You don't want to be cash poor in this state of affairs that we're living in. So, does it make sense? Can you downsize? What are the taxes? And do I want to live here for a period of time while I'm getting divorced? We want to try to sell the house now. You look at the markets right April to the winters generally. You know, to September or October is really the high high season. But we're seeing you know houses continue to sell um, in in this market. People obviously leaving New York City, coming to New Jersey, uh, people are buying homes. The real estate uh, attorneys I'm talking to are, have never been busier. So I think you have to really figure out, does your budget allow for you to stay in this house or does it make more sense to take your, your 50% equity out, downsize to be smarter and be more financially astute uh, and put more money in the bank? I think that's the question you should be asking yourself.
0: And you have to be honest, and that actually brings us right back to your first point, which is your emotional posse, so to speak. Like they're gonna be once you find those people, they're gonna be straight up with you and they're gonna say, You do not need this McMansion and you know, and all the costs. I mean, I, I have a pool. I'll be the first to tell you that if I could fill it with concrete, it would be the best thing that ever happened to me. Because all these things you don't think about, they just suck the life out of you. And so
1: why not make your life as easy as
0: possible, especially when you're first starting out on your own?
1: Right. I think the allure of a pool, there's no resale value. It's so expensive to, to heat. And, you know, how often do you really use it in the summer? And I think I, people have to be realistic. Right. And it's not about keeping up with the Joneses. This is about what does your life look like, your next chapter? How intelligent do you want to be about your finances? Start putting away money. Don't live. Um, with no ability to tap into extra money and extra savings, you should have your six-month stash of, of, of bills to be able to pay. God forbid something happens that you don't expect, um, and be able to put away for retirement and start your next chapter. If you don't do that, you have this beautiful house that, to me, makes no sense financially, and, and I think it becomes fiscally irresponsible sometimes because people don't know how to be intelligent because their spouse was the one that invested, right? And they they never even uh, took. Charge They never learn. They don't know. So I have a lot of clients that are working with people like you, Tracy, who put them on a budget, who explain to them about investing. And it's almost like they're learning uh, one-on-one about how to take care of their financial lifestyle. And uh, that's why we have people like you that are helping women and empowering them and teaching them because most people don't know what the right thing to do is. And that's where your team of experts is crucial. I agree. And that's, and it, it actually,
0: you know... That's one of the p- things I love the most that the, you know, the sun does come out, you empower yourself, you feel so much better. You reach out to someone like, you know, you get someone like Vicki in your corner, and then you feel like actually there, there is life at the end of this. It, before I let you go, cause this has been amazing information. Is there any, anything we missed
1: any last bit of advice to, to someone who's thinking about taking the plunge here? I think it's courage and I think it's bravery. And I think everybody has it in them to do it. Don't ever think you're stuck. I think you start making calls, you start getting referrals to attorneys. You, t- you take this information about gathering the finances and creating a marital, a budget and an asset and, and liability chart. And I think people need to know it gets worse before it gets better. And then it gets really good. And anybody can do it with a great team around you. Um, life does get better. And I think that, you know what, when you say the sun shines, the sun's shining into my office right now. And uh-huh. I believe that with the right group of people behind any person getting divorced, they will come back out bigger and better and stronger. And they won't attract what they attracted initially with their first marriage because they'll be able to look in the mirror, learn from their mistakes and be empowered and feel good about finding love. And most importantly, showing their children what healthy love looks like and not staying in a bad marriage and relationship, thinking that they're helping their children when they're really not. And they're doing a disservice to them. Oh, I mean, there's nothing I could say after that. That's amazing.
0: You're amazing. Everyone. Uh, if you need Ziegler, Zemsky, and Resnick. Again, I have, I've known the, this firm for a very long time, and they do right by their people. And again, that's what you need to look for. You need a support system. You need a group of people. You can call at any time. Not to mention have a glass of wine with at the end of the day, because... Well, thank God there's wine during divorce because I don't know how else she get through this kind of stuff. Vicki, thank you so, so much for taking the time and sharing your insight.
1: Oh, it was a pleasure having uh, me on and you are the best. Thank you. We keep helping women and all these people that need you.
0: This presentation is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be relied upon as investment advice or the basis for making any investment decisions. Neither UBS Financial Services, Inc., nor any of its employees provide tax or legal advice. You should consult with your personal tax or legal advisor regarding your personal circumstances. In providing wealth management services to clients, we offer both investment advisory and brokerage services, which are separate and distinct and differ in material ways. For information, including the different laws and contracts that govern, visit UBS.com forward slash working with us. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA SIPC.